the unfortunate situation is a lot of us kind of are defined by our suffering. Um, and we should not be defined by our suffering. We should be defined by our joy. Content warnings for this episode include depression, suicidal ideation, and dysphoria. Genderful would like to acknowledge the indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests live and have dwelt upon. Today, we honor the Coast Salish and the Mohawk, Algonquin, and Anishinaabawaki peoples. We honor the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. Hey, folks, welcome to Genderful, a talk show interviewing gender diverse people about their special interests. Hi, I'm Gender Master, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Miranda Katita, and my pronouns are she, her. The focus of our show is to interview trans, non-binary, agender, two-spirit, and gender-diverse people regarding their special interests, passion projects, and resources for the gender-diverse community. We want our audience to know that we hold multiple diverse identities and bring these lenses to the show with our passion for telling our stories. I identify as non-binary, transmasculine, polyamorous, ADHD, autistic, and disabled, chronic pain, and mobility issues. I also am white and reside in the United States. I identify as trans-feminine, neurodivergent, queer, and a person of color residing in Canada. We invite you to remember that we are whole people with robust lives, friendships, challenges, and successes. We love and are loved, and we are delighted to share these stories with you. As always, we kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities. Their identities can change over time and are valid every step of the way. And if you think you're gender diverse, you are gender diverse. There's no social or medical prerequisite to be included in the community. Welcome everyone to Genderful episode 99. Oh my goodness. 99? I get to be the Wayne Gretzky episode. <laughs> <laughs> this week, our guest Miranda, she here, is chatting with us about YouTubing as a trans person. Miranda is our wonderful co-host of Genderful, and she also streams on Twitch and makes YouTube content under the handle Mass Attack. Welcome to Genderful again, Miranda. Of course. Uh, so good it's to have wonderful you here. to be here as a guest. I actually, um, I booked myself as a guest before I was asked to be uh, a host on the show. So. <laughs> it just... It just goes to show how yeah. how long, how far out we're booking. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we're booking into like October or November right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's August. <laughs> it's awesome though, right? Because like, you know, then we don't have to stress out as much about, I don't know, who's going to be on next week? It's all last minute forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's exciting. So anyways, I'm really glad that you're here, Miranda. Um I'm I'm glad that our audience is going to get an opportunity to learn more about you because yeah. you know, you've been you've been around. Uh, uh, yeah, and... I've, I've been around. Uh, you know, I've been around here. Uh, you know, I've been around the block, as they say. You know, um, yeah. I've had quite the interesting life. So you know, there's there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm really excited to share with our guests, our listeners today. So. We're going to start with our regular gender history questions, mm -hmm. as you know, as our format and routine on the show. What mm -hmm. are some things you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be gender diverse one day? 
Yeah, so that's this is something that is uh, really only becomes apparent with the benefit of hindsight, which I'm sure uh, a lot of gender diverse folks can can relate to. So uh, I definitely had like a lot of behavior and thoughts, uh, even as a very small child that it's like looking back, it's like, oh, yeah, no, I definitely, this is not like a new thing. This is not like, you know, like an adult onset thing. This is like, you know, I always wanted to be a girl. So just like, give a couple examples like um when I was really young um I would often try to like get myself in situations where I was like left alone at, at home and mm. so like you know my parents would like go grocery shopping or they'd run their errands and they would take my sister with them and um you know I my parents like you know I was like a well-behaved child and and my parents were willing to trust me like being at home by myself and uh, so I, I would always like finagle ways to like be home alone. And that gave me the freedom to kind of get into clothes that I wasn't supposed to wear. So uh, when I was really young, like, you know, I would like try on my sister's clothes or like um, I would try on makeup and stuff like that. Uh, and then when I got a little bit older, uh, I was like too big to put on my sister's clothes. And then I would try my mom's clothes. So um, I would do a lot of that sort of thing. And also, um, even though when my sister was around, like I, I distinctly remember a case where I, uh, you know, quote unquote, reluctantly let my sister do my makeup. And, but it was something that like, I, you know, for whatever reason, like I just, I didn't have like the understanding or the language to really describe what was going on. Like to me, mm -hmm. it was just like, oh, like, trying on these different clothes is something that, you know, excites me or makes me feel good or whatever. And at that really young age, even at that young age, I was conscious of the fact that this is not something I could share openly. This is something mm. that um, if my parents found out, uh, it would have been something that I would have been made to feel ashamed of. And especially coming from an immigrant background, like I'm a first generation immigrant, like my parents are from the old country and um, they're less understanding with that sort of thing. And I sort of grew up in a um, emotionally abusive household. So um, my parents are not ones, you know, that would have been supportive of that, of, of that sort of thing. So I was very kind of sneaky as a child and I, 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 I kind of had to learn how to be very secretive. Uh, with that sort of thing so um but yeah i can i can i can recall multiple multiple instances of um cases where i would have liked to have been a girl um you know so stuff like you know i would take a bath and like you know i would hide my genitalia and like i would like kind of like pretend like as if as if i had female genitalia and you know other things like you know when i was uh when i was like a young teen i would like shave my legs uh, in the winter months, you know, when everyone's kind of wearing like pants and stuff um, and like just made me feel really good. Um, so this is something that I actually like talk about in one of my videos where, where I kind of talk about um, how I cracked my trans egg. Uh, but definitely there's a lot, a lot of uh, just little, little hints here and there that kind of um, the seeds were always there. Um, that's that eventually I was going to be, you know, I was always trans, but eventually I was going to figure it out. And, you know, I coming from probably the least supportive background possible, um, it was going to take a long time. <laughs>
I'm grateful that you're sharing about these pieces. I think it's um, it's really important to like discuss a lot of the components you just said, right? You talked about being first generation. You talked about like seeking solitude to be your your authentic self. And um, my my wife is on next week, who you've met, and her story has a lot of similar a lot of mm-hmm. similar components as you just mentioned. Um, so I am appreciating that, you know, it's, it can be kind of personal to talk about some of those things. And I'm really grateful that you're willing to share about just how all of that went for you. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll get into this later, but uh, I kind of use like my videos as, as a way of kind of working through those feelings. Like I, mm-hmm. I use my videos as, as art therapy. So um, I have a little bit of experience with like, putting all my experiences out there for the world to consume. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, I mean, it was tough. Like, I mean, like I said, I, I grew up uh, in a pretty abusive environment. Like, you know, I was uh, physically abused. I was uh, emotionally abused for my entire childhood. And, um, you know, mixed in with like, just coming from an immigrant family and my parents are quite religious on top. So um, it was tough, like, you know, it's very isolating and just kind of finding those moments of solitude where I could kind of be myself with no judgment. Um, I mean, I remember like as a teen, like I would have a recurring fantasy of like being the last person on earth, like kind of like, you know, Will Smith, I am legend kind of situation where like, I'm the, literally the last person alive. And I was like, mm-hmm. cool. Now I can just wear women's clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's like that kind of shame of, you know, being gender diverse or, or kind of not playing the role that society assigns to you. That was like deeply ingrained from a very young age. And it took me a very, very long time to, um, work through that and unlearn that and kind of challenge the status quo and, and really be, come out of my shell and be myself. Right. That actually leads us pretty nicely to our next question. Um, which is how did you go from being, you know, the kid trying on your your <laughs> family members' clothes when no one was around to the beautiful, self-actualized woman that you are today? Well, I wouldn't go so far as saying I'm fully self-actualized. I mean, it's still a journey, but uh, but yeah, it definitely has been. Uh, my relationship with gender definitely has changed a lot over time. I mean, I kind of went from being this like weird introverted kid that like didn't have a lot of friends um that kind of had this like secret of like wanting to be you know a girl um and then I just kind of as I grew older I kind of just put it off as uh you know just like a childhood fantasy or this is just something that's you know gets me excited you know um like there are quite a few folks out there who are critical of you know the quote unquote trans movement or whatever that kind of base their thoughts on a lot of pseudoscience around the whole idea of um uh I'm stumbling on my words here um uh, autogynophilia which is it's pseudoscience like that's not a thing um but that's something I I internalized uh you know as I you know got in later teens and early 20s where it's like oh well this is just you know this is just like a fetish this is just something that gets me you know sexually excited it's this is not like a core part of my identity i kind of repress a lot of those feelings so i definitely went through a phase of hypermasculinization so you know uh, if you look at really old pictures of me like i'm 
completely unrecognizable. Like, you know, I used to have like a full beard. I used to shave my head. Like I used to be like, I used to pretend to like a lot of like stereotypical guy stuff, you know, like I would try to like learn sports and, you know, um, I would do all the things that would, you know, let me fit in with the guys. And Mm -hmm. that was very much a performance. Um, That was, I was always kind of performing that role. Um, Because that was what was expected of me. And that's, I thought I had to do that in order to be accepted. Yeah. Um, And then. It's how you survive. Yeah, it is. It was a survival Survival skill. Yeah. So um, I've always kind of just, so like later on, um, you know, and and I'll I'll circle back to this point, but yeah, that was, it was a defense mechanism to, you know, protect myself. And, you know, as I got like, older, you know, and get like late 20s, early 30s, when I'm kind of much more secure in myself and much more self-confidence, um, I started to become very secure in my masculinity, where like, it's like, yeah, I can wear a pink shirt, whatever. Like, I'm comfortable with who I am. I, I mean, I can, I can do things that are like, you know, against the male rules, like whatever, come at me. <laughs> so, and at that point where I was just like, I didn't feel the need to perform as much where I could just like you know experiment a little bit more and just kind of do things um that's kind of more lined up with what I wanted to do and then this whole time I still had these fantasies of being a girl and then once I started to seriously question my gender like you know I kind of had like this egg cracking moments um and it's like oh wait no, now I'm onto something. And then that's where I started to kind of explore my femininity and, and kind of realize it's like, oh, wait, no, I am actually trans. And then I had to challenge a lot of these um, false assumptions that I had about being trans or um, kind of like confront a lot of this false in- information and false narratives surrounding what transness actually is. Because, you know, I grew up, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm older than I look. I mean, I grew up in the 80s, which was, you know, um, not the best time for this sort of thing. Like there really wasn't a lot of information and the information that out there was, was not exactly flattering. I mean, if you look at like media portrayals yeah. of uh, trans people over time, like they're not exactly flattering. Um, right. So, you know, I was always like, well, you know, I don't experience gender dysphoria. So that means I can't be trans, which is, you know, spoiler, that's not true. Um, so I had all these like false ideas about what it was to be trans and unfortunately like the social circles that I was in I didn't know any trans people I mean I still don't really know very many trans people like I I know like quite a few online um but like you and your wife uh are probably like the only and like maybe a couple other people I can identify are people that I know like in person but in my daily life, like I don't have trans people in my life. So I never really, and that's been true always. So um, I've never really had that, uh, you know, shared experience of being around other trans people and asking them what their, you know, what their experiences are like. And, you know, um, it wasn't until like I started questioning my gender where it's like, oh, and I started seeking out those stories. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, no, I do see myself in these. So it's, uh the, the road was very long and difficult and I it's probably more difficult than it than it needed to be but a, a lot of that is a function of my environment and you know the time that I grew up in well thank you so much for sharing that Miranda I mm-hmm. think part of what you're pointing out there the 
the ways that gender diverse people can be physically isolated from other gender diverse people mm -hmm. is a big part of why I make this podcast. It's yeah. a big part of why like I started my discord server and like I try so hard to be really consistent with the Twitch streams. If it's me or my friends producing is mm -hmm. because I know what a lifeline trans community can be. Right. Absolutely. And so it's like, it's, it's so much bigger than me, right? The channel and all the content, all of it, it's, it's way more than me. It's about the community. And um, I'm so honored for each and every contributor, including you who has come mm -hmm. along and said, Hey, this is worth spending my time and energy on. I'm going to help keep it going too. Because yeah. I would have, I would have probably quit by now if I didn't have the support of other people to make it all go. It's way too hard to maintain by myself. It's gotten too oh, big. Oh yeah. I mean, even like, I've thought about quitting my stuff like more than once because, you know, it's, it's hard to do it by yourself and especially when you don't yeah. get a lot of activity. So, uh, you know, like my streams typically don't get very many viewers. My videos don't typically get very many views. And it's just like, well, why am I putting in all this effort for very little reward? But, you know, but at the end of the day, like I'm doing it for myself, like I'm doing it for my own benefit. So like, it's, it, you know, if nobody watches my stuff, well, I still got, I still get value out of it. Like, you know, it's yeah. nice if people tune in, Yeah, you know, it's more it's fun. Always, that it's way. always fun. It's always fun to visit your chat and say, Hey, and see what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, there, there are times where just like, what am I even doing? Um, so it's, but yeah, just being able to contribute here, like having, having this show in particular and having like other community members to interact with, that's, it's been very helpful. So let me switch topics and let's start talking more in depth about your content creation. Um, how did you get started with making videos on YouTube or Twitch? I don't know if you want to very much focus on YouTube or kind of talk about both. Well, it's so, I mean, I can just kind of, I mean, it, it's a long story and I'm here to tell my long stories. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're here but to yeah. listen to your long story. Yeah. Some so people I'm here actually... might even want to do similar choices and make their own content. So how did yeah. you get to where you are? <laughs> So it's actually, it's, it's interesting how I got started on YouTube. So um, I've been a YouTuber for over 10 years, off and on. Um, so once upon a time, I was actually a professional gamer. So I used to play uh, Magic the Gathering at a professional level. Uh, you know, like I would so cool. you know, travel the world playing professional tournaments, you know, I get paid for this stuff. And um, I genuinely think that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I had a tournament that I was, uh, that I went to in Japan that I did quite well at, and that was enough to kind of get me noticed and recognized. And uh, I signed on with uh, one of the Magic websites to produce like weekly content for them. Uh, so I had a column that I wrote every week, and sometimes I would actually do videos. So I started a YouTube channel where you know I would post like me post just videos of me playing uh, playing Magic online, uh, usually drafts or whatever, and. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how the, the channel started. Now, I stopped playing Magic uh, quite some time ago, and I kind of like let my, my, my channel stay dormant uh, for, for a long time. And every once in a while, I would post stuff, but I wasn't really like something that like I kept up with. Mm -hmm. uh, now, about a year ago, I decided that I was going to um, kind of take it more seriously and upload more because um, I noticed this trend on YouTube of Twitch streamers uploading um, highlight reels or, you know, clips from their VODs 
yeah. uh, in, onto YouTube. And there's what's called a whole uh, Twitch to YouTube pipeline. So I thought that, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's a Twitch to YouTube pipeline <laughs> is what it is. So it's it's kind of, um, it's kind of like a circle where, because Twitch and, Twitch and YouTube are, have their pros and cons and they have their strengths and weaknesses. Do. So yeah. um, what, what YouTube is really good, YouTube is, does a lot better than Twitch is discoverability. So um, you can post, like you can be a nobody on YouTube and you can post stuff. And if you have the kind of like the right titles and thumbnails and content, you'll get recommended. Like people will click on your videos. So, and that, that's kind of like brings people to your Twitch channel because YouTube mm -hmm. is a lot more accessible than Twitch. Um, so. I have found their mod moderation settings are mediocre though, personally. Yeah. Yeah. They, Especially I mean, on the shorts. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started on shorts. People get spicy in the shorts comments. I'm not about that life. Yeah. So by this time I was streaming uh, fairly consistently on Twitch um, for reasons that don't really have anything to do with like content creation. Uh, but I decided it's like, hey, like um, I'm on disability, disability leave from my job. I don't really have anything to do during the day other than play video games. Um, why not actually put some of the, all this time and spare energy that I have into um, making videos? Because that is something that I know how to do. Like I've been um, like video editing has been kind of a hobby of mine for a very long time, probably like 20 years. Um, so I was like, well, I can, I can use some of these skills and I can, you know, take, you know, clips from, from my Twitch streams and uh, get them up on YouTube. Um, but I eventually decided that I was going to start making like more high effort content. So like actual video essays and stuff like that. Um, because I, you know, I have this like, you know, very small platform, but it's something that like, I know how to do, even though like, I don't have a, a ton of experience making video essays. I do, how to, I do know how to make videos and I do know how to write essays. So it's not like, it's not a huge stretch for me to like, you know, produce this, this sort of thing, you know, even though the production values are. What if combine? <laughs> yes. What if combine? What if, what if banking, but online? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, look at me. I'm as smart as Elon Musk. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had like a couple ideas for videos and finds. Um, and it was always like, you know, I had it in the back of my head. It's like, oh, well, when I get more subscribers or when I get like, you know, a better recording environment, I'll do this. So There's all those excuses for, you know, like, I will wait until X before doing Y. And it was actually on this very show. Uh, so we had a guest uh, who is now a very dear friend of mine, uh, Jesse Gender. Uh, she was on this show. And uh, something that came up during the interview was advice for, you know, uh, new content creators. And the advice that she gave was, you know, if you have an idea for, you know, a video or a project, you know, just do it. Don't wait for the perfect, like I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, don't wait for the perfect time. Like just do it. It might not be perfect. It might be, it, it might not be good, but just, just do it now. And I, I took that to heart and um, I did it. I stopped, I stopped procrastinating and I stopped kind of putting it off. And I actually gave myself like a deadline for making my very first scripted video, which was mm -hmm. all about how I cracked my trans egg, uh, which is, you know, that's a concept that I actually learned about recently. 
Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't actually know what that was. So I heard it. And like, um, I, as soon as I heard of it, I immediately just like jotted down a whole list of stuff that helped me crack my egg. And it's like, oh, this will make a great, this will make for a great video one day. And then I just kind of saved the notepad file and just didn't think about it. It's like, no, no, it's time. It's time to actually make this video. Uh, so I did. And uh, it's actually gotten a really good response. So it was kind of slow at first, but uh, it's out of all the videos on my channel, this is the one that like consistently gets views. Um, and it yeah. consistently gets, like, I mean, I, I get comments like to this day, like this, it came out like maybe like December of last year, I think is when I released it. And I even to this day, I get comments saying, oh, thanks so much for, you know, posting this. Like I really related to this and stuff like that. So uh, that's something it's, it's a video that I'm very proud of. And, um, and yeah, so that's, you know, due to the response to that, it's like, well, I was able to kind of start making more scripted videos. So it's something that I very much enjoy doing, but it's also, it's a lot of work and, <laughs> uh, the, the Twitch highlight videos are, are, they're, they're, they're much lower effort. I basically just, I just go through the VOD and I, I, I just pick out all the funniest moments and it's like, oh, we're at 15 minutes. Okay. Done. Upload. I love it. Well, I made I made sure to uh, drop that specific um, video in the chat so that folks yes. can go go look at it and enjoy it later. Mm -hmm. Um, gosh, um, you just said so many great things. I wanna I wanna circle back like maybe two topics ago. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then return to the egg cracking video so I don't completely forget. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote a bonus question just now. Do you have a I favorite saw. Magic the Gathering deck or combat style? Like I've heard there's like decks that you mill yeah. with. Yeah. I don't know what that so, is, but I've heard about yeah, it. Yeah, that's kind of something that like <laughs> when you're playing the game casually, you have the luxury yeah. of having like your pet deck or like your favorite thing that you like to play. But when you're playing at a professional level, you kind of have to play whatever is going to give you your... The, the best chance of winning so you don't really have the luxury of playing your pet deck at the highest level um oh. I mean, yeah it's um yeah and, and marry me in chat kinda, <laughs> yeah mir yeah your mirror me in chat has it right like you got to play the meta so um especially when uh your ability so you to pay your rent all planes is dependent all planes walkers <laughs> Well, some, for, for some of us, like your ability to play, to pay your rent is dependent on how well you do in a given tournament. So like it's, it's, it's pretty stressful. Um, and I actually got burnt out from playing magic professionally because like, you know, I was living with my parents at the time. So I wasn't actually in a position where like, you know, I had to, I had to like finish in the top X of this tournament in order to eat. But mm -hmm. uh, a lot of my contemporaries were in that position and, you know, I think that's something that like maybe the like the top like five to ten people in the world can make a living off of it, but everyone else is just scraping by. And yeah. um yeah, so I mean there there are definitely like things that like I enjoy and miss about the game, but um yeah, I don't know if I have I mean I can probably name a few of my favorite tournaments that I played in. Uh that sure. might be more instructive. Uh, to talk about so definitely any insert any info dump about magic the gathering here that feels fun to do <laughs> don't, don't talk about stuff that makes you feel icky or sad yeah 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 exactly Tell us because, the nice parts that you want to talk about. yeah because you know when you're when you're playing like being a professional gamer is not all, as glamorous as people make it out to be 
uh, like true. if you're in the top like one <laughs> percent, it it can yeah. be. But if you're like one of those people who's just scraping by, it's it's tough. And I was definitely um, one. I was definitely in the latter category. So. <laughs> but uh, I can I can definitely name a couple of my favorite tournaments that I played in. So uh, I played in a number of professional tournaments. Uh, probably like my favorite one that I played in was the one I played in Nagoya, Japan, that I actually did quite well in. And uh, at that time, uh, the tournaments were split formats. So um, half of the tournament is you bring your own deck and the other half of the tournament is like a draft where you're opening packs and you're, you're making decks on the spot. And in the draft component, I actually went undefeated. It's like I, I oh, won cool. both drafts and uh, that was really- Is that because you got good cards or because you're- knowledge about the cards is so expansive like you have such an encyclopedia uh, in your well, head. it was it was, it was partly because um that was like um that style of playing was something that i had specialized in was really good at um also um i got a little bit lucky in terms of which cards came my way and which opponents came through and i was also proactively scouting the competition <laughs> that way. so i nice. was I would get, I would either uh, look at who, who was like, cause like you play within your own pod. Right. So right. Um, I had a very good idea of what cards on my opponents had and that's mm -hmm. um, allowed me to play around certain strategies. So you were card counting. Um, not so much like, card like counting, but just like, I was really good at zoomed out enough to see when you're drafting, like you're seeing there. all the cards that are going around the table. Right. So like, oh. I'm really good at remembering like what cards are going around oh, and yeah, and like I steamrolled through people. Like I, I defeated world champions. I defeated like pro tour winners. Like I, I, I was literally unstoppable. <laughs> wow, uh, Miranda, was, yes. drafting queen. I was at the, I was at the top together. of my game at that time. Like I was probably <laughs> one of the top ten players in Canada at that time. So cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's... And now that's, you're now you're my co-host on this little yes. podcast over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you Google my dead name, you'll find a bunch of articles <laughs> written and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, the phrase, my dead name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh. the, the Japan <laughs> tournament was awesome, and like it's always been a dream of mine to like go to Japan. Uh, yeah. Like I, I love Japanese culture. Like you know, I, in my younger days, I was an anime weeb. Uh, so like. At the time when I was playing professionally, like the kind of like the, the tagline of the Magic Pro Tour was play the game, see the world. And that was literally true for me because uh, I got to win some qualifier because like at the time, if you win a qualifier tournament, they pay for your airfare. So like my airfare to Japan was paid for. I've had airfare like to Amsterdam paid for. Uh, that was another tournament that I had an absolute blast in. Um, so like, you know, I've been to Hawaii, I've been to like, I've been to Austin, I've been like pretty much everywhere. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I literally lived that life where I was traveling everywhere to play in these tournaments. Um, so that was, uh, and to this day, like many of my close friends I've met through magic. I love that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and there's something so special about like making friends around a special interest. Mm -hmm. because there's always something to talk about. Like yeah. when, I was, when I was a partner dancer, I made friends who were partner dancers, and then we geek out about like dance theory and yeah. like the history of dance and movement. And like, oh, have you seen this new dance trick? Like I just learned this one last week or whatever. Yeah. And the nice thing with that is um, I can always find people to travel with. 
because nice. I can just I can just like reach out to the other Canadians that were qualified for whatever tournament that I was going to. And I would like, yeah. you know, we we would, you know, share hotel rooms and stuff like that. And nice. I would have people that I would always have people to hang out with at these tournaments because like I knew people all over the world. And every tournament I go to is pretty much the same crowd of people. So like, you know, it's like, you know, three, four times a year, I get to, you know, hang out with my magic friends. Yay. Yeah. Magical. <laughs> <laughs> That's super fun. I love that. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing those stories about magic. I, I don't, I don't know if we've ever had a pro magic, the gathering player on the show. <laughs> So I'm hoping someone listening to this feels seen. It's <laughs> <Just> like, yay! <laughs> someone likes my special interest, hooray! <laughs> um, it's so it's so good. So I'm gonna rearrange my questions a little bit here. Yeah, How do it. you choose your topics for your videos that you make? Do so you make video uh, essays? How it's you, interesting. How do you, how do you decide? Uh, I feel like the topics choose me. <laughs> oh, all right. So I would like to know how you identify that. (laughs) Yeah. So as someone who is, you know, neurospicy, I tend to hyper-focus on on things. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's really, it's whatever I happen to be stuck on at that particular moment. So uh, for instance, with the, uh, with the egg cracking video, that's something that's like, oh, this is a concept. I, and I just wrote down a bunch of stuff about it. And it's like, this is, this is going to be a video I'm going to be making. Um, but the other two scripted videos that I have on my channel are kind of me working through things. So the second video that I made is on the surface, very silly. Like I'm making fun of like, it's, it was, it's a video about Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Uh, yes. It's like a six year old movie. Um, and it's on the surface. So I'm just making fun of this silly old Japanese movie. Um, but the context of when I made when I made that video, like the reason I watched that movie in the first place was I was having a depressive episode. And uh, it was New Year's Eve. I was alone. I was completely miserable. Uh, you know, I was crying the whole day. And um, I literally like I bailed on my New Year's Eve plans because I just like I just couldn't. And I decided I was just going to scroll through Tubi. With Tubi is like this like free streaming movie service mm-hmm. that has like a bunch of like, you know, old movies and crappy movies and, you know, all, all the like, you know, the, the Sharknado movies you can find on there and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so I'm scrolling it. through Tubi. Like I'm literally just wacky, looking for... Wacky B-roll. Wacky. Yeah. And I, you know, <laughs> and I, this is in the video. Um, uh, so like I'm literally just scrolling t- through Tubi, literally looking for like noise to fall asleep to. And I and I find Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, and it's like I've never seen this movie. Fine, I'll put this on. Uh, and like I am not like a Godzilla super fan or anything. Like the only Godzilla movies that I've seen are the original Godzilla from like the fifties, and like the Matthew Broderick one from ninety eight, and like the Brian Cranston one from like the early like mid two thousands. So it's not like I know a lot about Godzilla. Um, so I start watching this movie on the couch, you know, and you know I'm in this like really really like dark place. And the movie is so strange. It's so like cuckoo bananas. So I say this in the video, it didn't cure my depression, but it confused the heck out of it. (laughs) Ah, And like, literally like, 
I like, I thought I was having a fever dream and like, I fell asleep and like the next day I had to like, look it up on Wikipedia to make sure like what I saw was a real movie and not just a depression hallucination. So, so, so yeah, um, I turned, I turned all of that like negative feelings that I had and I, 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 I turned it into a creative outlet. So that's 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 how that Godzilla video got made was I was in this really really dark place and I was able to take all of those feelings and make something you know fun and creative with that um and then my third video uh my most recent scripted video um is actually about Abigail Thorne's play The Prince um and that's it's a good video it's my favorite video that I've ever made it's but it's I also a very it. deeply personal video and yeah. that's a video that like, you know, I had the script for that in my head for like three months. Um, like I knew what I was going to be talking about. I knew like even before I'd seen the play, I knew what I was going to be talking about. So uh, it's very deeply personal. And I use kind of I, it's not really about the play. It's I use the play as a framing device to talk about a lot of different topics that I had been thinking about for a long time. So it's about like transness, identity, the role society has this play. Um, and I knew, I knew I was going to be making a video about that. Like, as soon as I heard that Abigail was going to be making that, that play, it's like, oh yeah, uh, this is, I know I'm going to be into this. And yes. I know I have a lot of things to say about this. And it's interesting because I think I'm the only person that's made a video essay about this play because, um, I'm in the unique position of being in the trans YouTuber space, but not really being like, I'm very much on the periphery. So mm. a lot of people who are in this space know Abigail personally, so they can't really be objective. <laughs> like I've been told that by like another trans YouTuber. Mm. It's like, well, I'd love to make a video about this, but like, I actually know her. So like, I, I can't be objective. Well, it's like, well, I don't I know. Like if I, I made know. a video about your stuff, <laughs> go for it. But I mean, like, I don't know anybody. Like, I know Jesse, and that's it. So, like, yeah. I mean, I can be objective um, about about that sort of thing. But, uh, but yeah, that's it's a video where I definitely I work through a lot of my personal stuff with that. And I remember when I finished it and I uploaded it. So I finished it on a Sunday night, and I uploaded it that Sunday night, and uh, I scheduled it for a Monday morning release. And, but I watched it back Sunday night. And when I got to the end, I broke down crying. Mm. Um, I, and like, I was like happy crying. Like I couldn't believe that I had made something so beautiful. Mm. Um, so I let, this, this is why I like, you know, I extol the virtues of art therapy because this is my art therapy. And I was really able to work through a lot with these videos. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Aww. I'm all squishy in my heart now. Oh, I know I'm tearing <laughs> up a little right now too. Um, so Miranda, just just a small question, just just yes. a little tiny one here. Uh, how did your trans journey affect the way that you make content? Um, in a lot of different ways. So it really, the kind of content that I'm making. Uh, really it really depends on, on what i'm what i'm doing right so like obviously if i'm making a video about my trans experiences then of course it's going to affect it's going to be the the whole crux of it but um if i'm just you know 
if I'm just playing my RPG, then um, like, because like right now I'm playing Baldur's Gate three, so um, doesn't it doesn't factor into into it that much. But definitely my trans experience do affect the way I engage with media. So I mean, I don't go out of my way to bring it into every single little thing. But for instance, in Baldur's Gate three you have the option of fully customizing your character. And, and by that, I mean, like, what you have going on in the downstairs department. So <laughs> uh, that's something I found out accidentally. And, um, you know, I just kind of had this, like, offhand comments, like, oh, I can put myself in the game. <laughs> yeah. So you can, you can be trans in that game. And, you know, if I was, if I was cisgender, I may not, you know, talk about that at all but the fact that i am trans and i do see myself reflected in this game uh i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about it when it comes up so that sort of thing um there's actually there's another rpg that i played uh that's actually how um i got started making like more consistent videos on my channel so one of my favorite games of all time is pathfinder wrath of the righteous and there is a character in that game that is trans like explicitly trans. Um, I mean, you kind of have to like, it's it's not like at the very front, like you really have to go through a journey to like figure this out. Um, but this character is a character that I use as my profile picture on Discord and Twitter. And I have never in my life more strongly identified with the character. Mm-hmm. Um, because her journey is has a lot of parallels with my journey now i don't live in a fantasy world i don't you know i'm not married to a half-orc paladin (laughs) that sort of thing but the fact that like we have this character that their backstory is about them being trans and is about um kind of them finding someone that's going to accept them for who they are so you know the very very quick version of their story is that um, this person had this cult looking after them and to hide from them, pass themselves off as a girl and realized that she liked being a girl and Mm. kind of presented herself as a girl for the rest of her life Um, until uh, she got herself into a situation where uh, she was in trouble and she was rescued by the aforementioned half-orc paladin and, you know, they traveled together and they fell in love and she was kind of working up to tell, to tell her, her, you know, big secret. I was like, well, I was actually born as a boy. And the paladin's response to this was, I already know, and I still love you. And when I heard that, I started oh. bawling. I started just bawling. And it's just like, oh my God, that is the most beautiful thing that I've ever heard. And then you find out that the paladin um, pawned her family heirloom sword in order to buy her like a potion of gender reassignment. And I'm just like, that is the, as like a wedding present. And that is just like the most romantic thing that I've ever heard. Um, So yeah, I, if it wasn't for the fact that I was trans, there's no way this story would have resonated with me as much as it has. And right. um, and just finding like just little stories like that here and there in games that um, really, really resonate with me. And that's something that I, I love to talk about in my content. So, um, you know, obviously when I'm making content that is specifically about being trans, like, you know, my egg cracking video or my prince video, yeah. like obviously it, it's, it's going to be about that. But even in my video game stuff, 
like the the trans the transness finds its way into those as well okay but i love that so i'm like tearing up about it oh my god like i like when i first heard about this i literally couldn't tell the story without like like with without crying um uh, like it's just it's it's so wonderful and i'm actually playing as uh, like i'm role playing as that character in my Baldur's gate 3 run right now no <laughs> yeah Aww. i know it just uh i i love it so much um about this question what are some of your favorite moments from interactions with your audience yeah. Um, so when I'm doing my live streams, uh, I typically don't get very many viewers. So there's not really like, you know, I do. I mean, I do love it when people come in and chat with me. But uh, I think some of my favorite moments are actually when I get like positive comments on my YouTube videos. So like I was talking about this before, I get comments on my transit correcting video like to this day. Because it's what's typical for a YouTube video is that you'll get comments, you know, in the first like few days after a video comes out, and then the views and comments will drop off after that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the views and comments on this particular video have been pretty consistent over the last few months, and it's really picked up in the last couple months. And every few days, I get a comment saying, I, "This video helped me," or um, "I was I was able to uh, relate to this video," or whatever. So. Um, I actually had a comment uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, kind of someone like like me who realized they were trans much later in life, and this person was in their their fifties, and uh, and they said that like you know they were isolated and the video really helped them. Um, so I know personally that seeing other people's stories and seeing other people's YouTube videos helped me a lot in my my own journey. I like I don't think. I don't think I would have like fully figured out my gender um, if it wasn't for YouTube. And being able to pay that back, you know, pay it forward as it were, as it were, um, that's ultimately why I do this. It's I'm certainly not doing YouTube for the money. Like I've literally, my channel isn't monetized. Like I don't make any money off of this. Even Twitch, I barely make any money off. Of. I'm certainly not doing it for that. I'm not doing it for clout or fame because whatever, I'm a nobody who cares. Um, I'm If I can just help a couple people with their gender journeys, then then to me, that's worth it. No. Um, so something that I think most or all people is is important for them all to keep in mind is safety online. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that compounds when you are trans or a person of color or a woman or all three of those things. Yes. <laughs> and so how do you protect yourself and your community while publishing online? Yeah, no, it's, I like that you brought up uh, those, those three intersecting uh, identities because, you know, I am a trans woman of color. And, you know, I, you know, I have light skin, but, you know, I'm not white. So, you know, I, my background is Arabic and um, I've faced a lot of, um, I've faced a lot of racial discrimination in my life. Uh, probably like less now, less, uh, I mean, most of the hate comments that I get are, have more to do with me being trans and than me being a person of color, but all those, all three of those things intersect. Um, now, in terms of how I protect myself, um, so again, um, 
you know, <laughs> Sonia Birch said this in, in the in the chat saying I'm not a nobody. Well, I mean, like I say this, I say that as, you know, self-deprecating humor, but like, you know, I have a very small platform, you know, relative to like, you know, maybe your favorite trans YouTubers who have much larger platforms than I do. Uh, so the nice thing with being a small YouTuber is I don't really get a lot of like hate comments. I mean, I still get them. So any any trans person who is online, you're gonna get them. You're gonna get you're gonna get bad comments. You're gonna get people coming into your stream causing trouble. Like it's mm -hmm. really we all get it, regardless of the size of our platform, and it just increases with the size of your platform. Yeah. So, and that's something that I, you know, have to explain to my cis friends. It's like, no, like we all get it. It's not just the famouses that get it. Everybody gets it. So, you know, mm -hmm. I still like when I'm streaming, if I see first time chatter, like my heart skips a beat every time. Um, yeah. So even though like the frequency is less for me, you know, versus someone who's like super duper famous, I, I still get it. So uh, the nice thing is I have a very thick skin. Uh, I mean, I have been dealing with discrimination and bullying my entire life uh if i wasn't able to deal with it i probably wouldn't wouldn't still be here um mm -hmm. so the nice thing is, is like m most of the time it just kind of rolls off the back like if i see someone posting something awful in my stream it's very easy for me to just click ban and just move on with my life if I, some, someone drops a you know nasty comment on, on a youtube video it's very easy for me to just delete the comment um but it's still it it grinds you down it it wears you out it wears you out over time and definitely like if i'm already having a bad day and i see a transphobic comment then that may or not not may or may not be the thing that kind of just sets me off for the day so yeah, it's it's that. tough um but the nice thing is um the majority of the comments that i get are positive and uh in terms of like protection um you know they're just words I, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't give a heck what people think about me. So like, you can say whatever you want. And this is going to sound, this is going to sound really awful here, but there's nothing that anyone can say to me that's worse than what's already in my head. Mm -hmm. So that's the unfortunate reality of living with depression. You can't say anything to me that's worse than my own inner monologue. So it just, honestly, it just, the, the, the troll comments don't really bother me that much. Um, do you have any other advice that you want to share for keeping on going besides the haters or navigating negative or bigoted comments, or do you feel complete on that topic already? Uh, I mean, just kind of like the, the same advice I, I have for anyone who gets bullied is that, uh, this is going to sound very trite, but like, just like, don't let it bother you. Like these people don't know you. Um, you're just kind of like the latest target. I mean, these people are not original. They always have the same, like, you know, five or six comments. I mean, they're just, I could say a lot of, I could say a lot of mean things about people who say these things that I'm not going to right now, but like, honestly, they're losers. Who cares? Who cares what they think? <laughs> who cares what a bunch of like losers online have to say about me? Like, <laughs> like try to have that attitude, like, uh, about about that sort of thing um don't yeah, give them it's a lot, don't let it's don't a let them occupy space in your in your in your head yeah like you're better it's than a, that it's a lot easier to criticize something than to create something it is of course it is um so yeah and like i get that that's like easier said than done and especially if you have a big platform 
it can be overwhelming. So like, I mean, my colleagues that have big prop platforms, they get it way more than me. It's, it's a constant deluge and I honestly don't know how they deal with it. Um, but you know, it's really easy for me to sit here and say like, who cares what these losers think, but, um, I don't have to see, I don't see, I don't have to see 500 messages a day also. So yeah. Um, I would say don't invest energy into these people, invest your energy into people who are going to love and support you instead, like raise those people up instead. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom. I do appreciate <laughs> it very much. I mean, it's, it's important to think about these things, no matter what mm -hmm. the size of your, of your community is, right? As a content creator who's diverse, who's, yeah. not, who's not the default flavor of, you know, we, yeah. we have to think about these things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's important I, I do feel like I have, on. yeah, I do feel like I have a bit of a unique voice because, you know, most of the people making content, like the trans content on YouTube these days are, you know, young conventionally attractive they tend to be white um so i'm none of those things <laughs> uh there's not a lot of like later in life trans people making content um like you know i didn't realize i was trans until my late 30s and i'm in my 40s now um so there's a lot of people that are making content these days you know figured they figured out they were trans at a much earlier age and yeah. I think there's kind of a unique perspective there that I can bring to the table uh, where it did take me a long time to figure out that I was trans. Um, and I have a lot, I have a lot more experience with the gender that I was assigned at birth. And I, I have a lot more unlearning to do. So that, you know, masculinity is still part of my identity. And as much as I would love to just discard it, I mean, that's who I was for nearly 40 years. I can't yeah. just delete that part of my life yeah oh man i'm you saying that just makes me even more excited for capybara being on next week <laughs> <laughs> because because like she also has those pieces right the like mm -hmm. all the skills that she had to learn in boy mode that you know i mean she was married as a man and had kids and like yeah then came out so i mean we'll hear about it next week but it's just like ah. yeah <laughs> You're right that it's less common to hear those stories. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that we have a chance to talk about it today. Yeah. And that you get to hang out with us on the show and continue to yeah. bring that perspective yeah, no, to it's, future episodes as well. Yeah, it's really, it's been, I mean, we've kind of come full circle of how I got here because, I mean, the whole reason I, the whole reason I discovered the clatter in the first place was because of my dear friend, Jesse Gender. She was, she was a guest on the show and she tweeted out, Hey, I'm going to be interviewed on the show. And, you know, I came and I watched it and I was like, I like it here. I'm going to stick around. And then a few months later, I'm doing mutual aid fundraisers and, and then you invited me to be on the show. And now, now I'm hosting the show and, <laughs> and hopefully, you know, uh, you know, fingers crossed, we'll be able to get her back on the show because I, I'll be able to interview her, which is wild. Yeah, to me. It's absolutely great. wild to me that like, you know, because uh, I discovered her content maybe like a year and a half ago. And I went from being a fan to being a friend to now being a colleague. So it's, you know, it's, it's absurd to me that I, I've had this, this, this journey. 
Um, and it's funny how like just these little innocent connections that you make can really turn into big things later on. Yeah. Well, and I met Jesse because I tabled at Trans Pride and she walked up to my booth. Yeah. And the person who was sharing my table had no idea who it was. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Jesse was like, my people are here. I was like, hello. <laughs> yeah. Like that would be absolutely surreal for me. It so was. It, it, <laughs> it was surreal. Yeah. Because like I, I mentioned this to some of my friends who know she is and they, they just like, they can't believe it. Um, mm -hmm. And like, I have a hard time believing it myself because, you know, it's like, like she's to me, she's just my friend, Jesse. Like, she's not like famous YouTuber to me. She's just my friend. Yeah. Yeah. They're like super cool projects, but at the end of the day, just a person who also yeah, sits like down. Everyone, and, like and every famous YouTuber <laughs> that you know. <laughs> is just a is just a person you know they put their yep. they put the pants on one leg at a time you know they, they deal with like regular person one leg stuff. at a time <laughs> you know they have bad hair days you know they mm. they get their coffee from starbucks and they mess up their orders like it's they deal with regular people stuff almost all of them yep that's true um so what are some things that make you feel really proud when making your videos Probably, uh, so there's kind of, there's, there's two aspects of this. There's kind of like my internal pride that I get from making videos. So, I mean, I can make these videos and not a single person could, could watch them. And I would still be really proud of them, especially, especially my video on the prints. Um, like, like I said before, like when I watched that video back for the first time, I started crying. Um, so, and that's independent of anyone watching them, anyone watching it, like anyone else ever seeing. I mean, I could have like just left it private and I still would have had that, that same, that same response to it. But uh, the external part is if I'm able to make a connection with someone else. So I know personally that I connect with a lot of different art forms and it really enriches my life. And it helps me see the world in different ways. And it helps me um, see myself in different ways and understand kind of my place in the world in different ways. And if I'm able to do that for someone else, then that's extremely validating. Like, even though like, you know, I'm not getting a million views on any of my, any of my videos anytime soon. Like, you know, if I get a few hundred views, that's, that's, that's great. Uh, but, you know, if there's, you know, a I couple really want people us to that... give you a million views on something just to... Just to surprise you, because you just said that. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, like, I've only been doing this seriously for, like, a year. So, like, I mean, everyone's got to, like, no one comes out of the gate with, you know, million subscribers. So, you know, I have to, I have to be, like, realistic. And it's also, like, I don't put that much effort into growing my channel. Like, I'm doing this as a hobby, not as a profession. Right. So, it's, like, I don't really have any, like, grand designs for my channel. Um, but if I'm able to reach you know, a small handful of people. And if I'm able to help them, if they're able to, if they're able to recognize some value in what I do, then, then yeah, that is something to be really proud of. Like, I don't have to reach a million people. If I can reach one, that's, that's still, that's still something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what do you hope to accomplish with your content? Um, well, there's there's a lot of things I'm looking to accomplish. Um, 
mainly uh, was was what I'm saying before with like just reaching people, but also just getting, you know, adding my voice to, you know, the chorus of other content creators. So yeah. we we're seeing before how I'm kind of uniquely situated as, you know, um, I'm trans, I'm a person of color, but I'm also a bit older. And, um, you know, I came into this at a, at a, at a later age. So I'm of a slightly different generation than a lot of other people making content on, on YouTube. So I'm able to bring in all these different perspectives into what I do. And most of what I do is very personal. It's my own personal stories. Like I'm not, I'm not really making reviews of, of, you know, of media. Like I'm not commenting on politics or anything like that. I'm just telling my own personal stories. Um, And I'm, hoping that my personal stories can connect with others and especially kind of fill any sort of gaps that are out there in kind of the YouTube landscape. Um, and especially with like, um, I have a video that I am planning for later this year uh, about the Dune films, um, which is, I don't do a lot of media analysis, but uh, I think this is something that I'm uniquely situated to be able to provide a uh, analysis on because um the Dune story is uniquely Arabic, Middle Eastern, Islamic. And mm. uh, Frank Herbert, when writing the story, like he based the Fremen on, you know, the, uh, the War of Algerian Independence. And my background is Algerian. And mm. um, a lot of that has been erased in these new movies. Mm. So, uh, you know, something like, all the kind of like a lot of the Arabic words that are in the Doom novels are not in these films. And I love the film. Like, I love the film. I'm sure the second one's going to be incredible. I'm very much looking forward to it. But one of the reasons I connected so much with Dune was that this was the only story I'd ever seen that had my cultural background in it. And that's being erased from the films. So that's something that I feel like I will have a lot to say about. And there's not a lot of people who who can say that authentically because I'm connected to that culture. So it's stuff like that where, like, who else can possibly tell that story? Um, so I try, I'm trying to find, like, my niches with what I can, uh, what I can do with my channel. Um, and then there's also the other thing I'm looking to accomplish is just really the whole like pipeline situation where I'm, 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 I'm putting out my YouTube videos in the hopes of bringing more people to my Twitch channel. <laughs> I'm not the only, I'm not just talking to myself the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So if folks, if folks watching live now or uh, folks listening later, you can follow an ass attack on both YouTube and Twitch and turn on the notifications yes you can enjoy Miranda in all of her glory in all the places that she's making content <laughs> um is there anything else that we miss about being a trans youtuber that you'd like to make sure that you get a chance to say today Miranda um so one thing I I, I probably talked about this like really briefly but uh trans YouTube has been such an important part of my journey um, and there's such a huge value in getting trans stories out there that are in, in a way that are easily consumable and easily findable. So, uh, just to give you an idea of how important this was, 
when I first started questioning my gender, me being the giant nerd that I am, I'm literally just Googling, how do you know if you're trans? Mm-hmm. And I started watching some videos on YouTube about trans people sharing their stories. And I really recognize myself in a lot of these stories. And I remember there was one particular YouTuber um, who said that if you're questioning whether or not you're trans, you probably are. And when mm-hmm. I heard that, it sent chills down my spine. And that's what I knew. That's when I knew I was trans. If you are early on in your journey, or if you're trying to still figure things out for yourself, or you're not sure, go out there. There's so many people posting these sorts of videos. Listen to other people's stories. Even if you're like cisgender and you want to learn more about the trans experience, go listen to trans stories. There's, there's, there are so many trans YouTubers. Not all of them are just doing, you know, video essays and, and media analysis and stuff. There's a lot of them just, you know, talking about their lives. Um, and of course, like, go follow, go subscribe to the big trans YouTubers. But also, like, there's a lot of, like, small ones like me that just kind of talk about their own personal experiences. So um, they're, they're just, there's so many of us making these videos. And um, they all need love. And they all would love for you to subscribe and like and comment and share. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Including the Gender Master YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe to our channel too. (laughs) We're uh, we're somewhere somewhere in the 800s, I think. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers Mm -hmm. and 4,000 watch hours. We're we're halfway maybe on the watch hours and we're four-fifths of the way on the follows, so... Oh, well, I'm I'm coming up on I'm coming up on 250 at time of recording. Um, I think I went like 220 last time I checked. So I'm I'm a little further behind, but um I mean I had like 80 when I started last year. So I I mean I've it's I've I've had a lot of growth in my channel and uh it's it's nice to see. So um yeah, I think I probably might do like a 250 subscriber special. And then and once if I had a thousand, like if I can, if I can monetize the channel, um, again, I'm not doing this for the money. Like, I mean, I have a day job. I make decent money. I don't need like YouTube is not a source of income for me. Like I like I don't I don't care how much money I make off of YouTube. But if I am able to make some money off of YouTube, I can then reinvest that into my channel. And then I can then justify expenses like, you know, I can you know, buy a better camera, I can invest into better lighting solutions, I can increase my production value and actually feel like it's worth it. Because right now it's like, I'm not going to go out and spend a thousand dollars in equipment on, on a channel that makes no money. Like that makes no sense. Yeah. But, you know, if, if it, if it does actually bring in money, then I can justify those expenses. Hear that. Such a mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm also a finance gay, so like I have to, I think I think in terms of like you know money in versus yes, money out, and I yes. like so I'm doing all the gay. maths in my head. <laughs> the math gay is strong with Miranda. Um, is there anything else you want to say about being a math gay? <laughs> oh, I mean, like so, like my degree is in financial economics, so like um, yeah, I I mean before before I went on leave, uh, I mean I'm not going to go into the whole reason like I'm on leave, but it's basically my brain don't work no more. Uh, but before when my brain did work good, um, I would just like <laughs> make spreadsheets for fun, like <laughs> <laughs> like it just there's something that's just so satisfying about working on a really complex math problem and then solving it. Like yeah. it's just I I don't know like. 
I can sit there and it's like, I can do like this really complex integral and like, I'm gonna have like three pages of derivations and I get to the, get to the end. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's maybe something that only math people understand. Aren't you, aren't you the person that introduced the clatter to competitive Excel spreadsheeting? No, I did not introduce <laughs> the clatter. I was tagged in that post. I was already familiar with competitive yeah. Excel. <laughs> oh man, that's so far away from anything I get up to on a daily basis. Oh yeah, I mean, I watch math videos for fun sometimes. Or I'm just so like, cool. oh, that that's a cool proof. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not my flavor of neurospice. I'll tell you that. Uh, Miriam, you said you learned about it from people make games YouTube channel. Nice. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. Uh, Miranda, can you share an experience with a gender euphoria? Absolutely. Uh, I, whenever I'm hosting the show, I always like to bring this up uh, because I'm, the unfortunate situation is a lot of us kind of are defined by our suffering. Um, and we should not be defined by our suffering. We should be defined by our joy. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll share, I'll share two experiences with, uh, gender euphoria. So definitely kind of the first one that I had was what set me off in this whole journey to begin with. So when I was this kind of like, it started me questioning my gender. So, uh, I remember this was almost, this was about four years ago. And, um, so the, the neighborhood where I live is kind of like this, like, like this hipstery neighborhood that has a lot of like little kitschy little shops and stuff like that but I usually drive everywhere and I hadn't I'd never like visited any shops before so one day I decided that's like you know what I'm gonna go on a long walk and I'm gonna you know buy I'm gonna go to all these different stores and you know I'm gonna just you know have a good time and I got home and uh one of the things I had to pick up was a plug for my bathtub so that I could actually have baths again because I didn't have a I didn't have a bath plug so I had a bath and spur of the moment, I decided that I was going to shave off all of my chest hair. And I, I don't remember if we said this like in the channel or like in the green room, but I was, I used to be very furry. I was a very, very hairy person. And I had never shaved my chest in my entire adult life before. And I did that and I felt my body for the first time um without any hair on it and it was like <clears throat> like you know that like mind-blowing like meme where it's like <laughs> I was like <clears throat> it was like that um it was it felt like a spiritual experience like I had never felt good about my body before until that moment and that's when I knew that's this was something I had to investigate this is something that I had to um, learn more about. And that's kind of what set me off on this whole like gender journey. And that's how I kind of figured out that I was trans eventually. Um, so that was, that was a big moment of gender euphoria. That's, uh, definitely was very life-changing for me. Uh, another one is kind of like more recently is, um, so I, I started progesterone a few months ago. So, uh, I mean, I've been on, I've been on HRT for several years now, but like, um, I just recently added progesterone to the mix and, um, one day I was getting changed for the gym and I kind of looked down. I'm just like, Oh damn, 
my boobs are looking good. Oh, oh. <laughs> maybe it was the weight loss, but uh, I was just like, damn, boobs are looking good. Because like, you know, I was, I've been overweight for like my whole life. And I, I had like, quote unquote, man boobs. And I think that was the first time that I looked at myself and I didn't see man boobs there. I saw girl boobs. And um, I felt that they felt really nice. Um, so yeah, anytime, I mean, I'm sure pretty much every trans person, uh, kind of deals with this, but like, you know, a lot of the times, like I look in the mirror and I still see a man and whenever I can look in the mirror or look at my, myself and see a woman, that's, it feels incredible. It's really like it, it's, you know, I was saying before how I really struggle with depression a lot. And that's one of the few things in my life that bring me joy is seeing myself as a woman it's not just like something i'm pretending to be it's something that i actually am so that i yeah that's that's my euphoria that's that's my joy that's how i define myself Aww. all right final final question unless the chat has an ama to slide in at the last second <laughs> um what would you like to make sure that folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary trans and or gender diverse issues yeah, well, we kind of talked about it before, um, but like, again, like my perspective is is not one that's very share is is shared very often. So, as someone who is both a person of color and, um, you know, someone from who comes from an immigrant background and also someone who kind of transitioned later in life, so um, I have a lot of things going on. And even though, like, you know, I can pass as white, I'm not white, and um, there's definitely a lot of experiences that I've had that kind of, they all kind of fit together, you know? Um, so I have a lot of, I have a lot of perspectives that um, maybe don't get talked about. And uh, I try to talk about them sometimes. I mean, I don't really, I don't really bring up these, these issues that often, but when they are relevant, you know, I'll bring them up, but you know, um sorry i'm kind of rambling now um <laughs> uh, but yeah um we've we've already kind of touched on a lot of them already but uh i think i think the the age difference really comes in a lot is i think that's something that people don't realize about me because i i i do appear younger than i actually am like usually when i tell people like how old i am they're they're very frequently shocked at how old i actually am so there's, there's a lot of things that I've lived through that, you know, a lot of people listening or watching right now may have only like read about. So, I mean, like, I, I, I remember when the Soviet Union fell. I remember when the Ber Berlin Wall came down. Like I grew up, I grew up during the Red Scare. Like I grew up during all these like historical events that like probably happened before a lot of people watching were born. So <laughs> like, so yeah. it's, yeah, I've, I've had quite the life i've lived through a lot of like big events so yeah all of it all of it all of it comes together my favorite part is that you made it through them all yeah somehow <laughs> somehow this, this oh boy we I, I feel like we only i feel like we scratched the surface of what i've been through in my life during this interview mm -hmm. Uh, there's a whole iceberg under there of others, other, other hootenanny that I've, I've been through in my life. So 
the great Miranda Hootenanny. That's your next yes. YouTube video. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to have to like write my memoirs and people will be like, this sounds made up. You made up all these things. Like, no, 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 no. The real story is actually even more like out there. I had to tone it down to make it more believable for, for, for Prince. <laughs> oh, awesome. Um, folks, Miranda is a queer and trans YouTube content creator and ne'er-do-well making videos on whatever her brain is currently hyper-focusing on at the moment. You can catch her work on youtube.com forward slash at NASAttack with two S's. Um, you can also find Miranda on Twitch at the same handle, NASAttack. Um, yeah, and on socials, you've, you've got a Twitter with NASAttack. I, Nas I do. Everywhere. I, have a I have a Twitter until until Twitter burns down. Yes. Yes. So or x.com or whatever they're calling it now. I, I refuse to call it that. <laughs> Twitter. I made, a, I made a joke the other day on stream that um Twitter is the only entity that I'll dead name. <laughs> mostly oh. mostly because I'm angry that Elon has taken it and yeah. made it so hard for so many, you know, sex workers, people of color, gender diverse people to work and get their money because like Twitter is going down in a dumpster fire. So yeah. Oh, anyway. what, what a disaster. <laughs> oh my God. It just, ugh. it's so frustrating because like Twitter has been such a positive influence on my life. I mean, like I literally wouldn't be here on this show right now if it wasn't for Twitter. Like this is how I found out about yeah. the clouder. And this is like, <clears throat> like I, there's a lot of people that like I wouldn't be friends with if it wasn't for Twitter. So yeah. like, it just it's so frustrating to me that like I joined Twitter and made all these positive changes to my life just in time for Elon Musk to come in and ruin it. Um, it does it does highlight the importance of um, having our communities in spaces where that are more resilient and less likely to be affected by changes like that. Mm. So, folks, anytime you have a content creator that you love, follow them on as many platforms as you can. So if one goes down, you still have access to them even if you're not regularly on those other platforms, right? Um, you know, honestly, my dis for, for this community, the Discord server is a really great place to join. We've got um, events up every week with all of our streams and, and any other events we're doing that might not be on Twitch. Um, you know, we, we have our website. We don't have an email list per se, but we do have a Patreon that you can follow even if you're not subscribing financially. And you'll get a monthly post from us. There's also a, a Clouder Substack that folks can follow. Um, so if you look on the the link tree um, for Gender Master, you'll find all kinds of um, all kinds of things to go follow and all of that. Um, yeah, we're working on a website and an email list. It's a little ways out though. So, anyways. Um, Miranda, would you be willing to share this week's Clutter query that our audience can answer on their social media platforms? I would love to. What sort of art therapy helps you? So folks will be able to answer that on socials. Um, I think we're also posting those on YouTube as a community post. So you can interact with it on YouTube directly as well. Um, awesome. Well, here's our coming soon, folks. Next week is episode 100. We finally made it to 100 episodes next week. I'm so excited. Um, and our very special guest is my wife, Trans Capybara. <laughs> <laughs> Unironic, my wife. 
my wife my actual literal wife yes literal your literal wife who's lovely and amazing uh i had a wonderful time uh hanging out with her when i came down to visit so i'm looking forward to next week very much me too it's gonna be so good i i'm gonna ask her to tell the boat story it's long but it's also i I got the short version of the boat story so it's it's quite the tale but you'll have to try and tell her boat story on a podcast for like several years now it's her it's her story she tells at parties it's a good story (laughs) (laughs) um so please come back for that we're going to be discussing authenticity and really you just get to watch me swoon at my wife (laughs) so often people come to the channel and you hear me say nice things about her but now you get to see me make faces at her too (laughs) so come back next week for that um and we have a number of community updates for folks um, so we wanted to say a heartfelt and loving thank you and farewell to Atlas Phoenix, who is retiring from the show to focus on their documentary, Beautiful Boy. Um, folks, please do go to beautifulboy.com to follow Atlas's project. It's a documentary talking about Atlas's um, life and mental health journey and transition as a non-binary mixed race person who also rejects identifiers and just wants to be a human um such bittersweet news such bittersweet news i agree um and we're still dear friends there's no animosity or negative feelings between us um atlas just like the the film the film production is taking off so much that atlas needs every moment of time to make it happen um i will say that atlas is in a moment of looking for um like financial support for the film so please do go to that website and um, sign up for atlas's email list um there's actually a way that you can subscribe on atlas's website directly to financially support atlas month to month and that ongoing monthly support for any creator for me for atlas for Miranda, even um that's part of how we can make sure that we keep making content is knowing that we're going to be able to pay our bills and our basic recurring expenses um so please do go subscribe on Atlas's website. You can you get access to the whole backlog of Atlas's films, which is incredible. I mean, Atlas has been a filmmaker for, I don't know, 20, 30 years or something. So um, we are going to be planning a farewell stream with Atlas. Uh, we have to work around a couple of different things. It might be in October or later. It's not going to be right away. Um, but do keep your, your antennae tuned for that. Um, and if you're in the Discord server, you'll you'll have the best chance of getting that announcement. So go to discord.gg forward slash meowster to join our Discord server. Um, second piece of community news is Gender Federation, our stream team, got Twitch affiliate over the weekend. We did it. Mm. I'm very excited. Um, so stay tuned for an affiliate celebration. It's not currently scheduled, um, but Gender Federation is wonderful. And um, I just dropped the link tree in the chat as well for folks that want to to go drop some follows on all those platforms. Um, and we do have a new a new segment at the end of the show before we we play our outro um, that we're introducing this week on Randa's episode. Um, we would like to thank all of our patrons on Patreon. And so I'm going to read all their names. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Uh, Holly Blash. Winter Vespers, Loch Ness Gamer, Justin Baker Rojas, Sandra Mickleborg, Yaisio, Ray of Swords, Sherry Keller, 
Mirami, the Hessian, and Trans Capybara. Thank you all so much for your ongoing monthly financial support. You help make this show possible. And um, I'm just honored that you believe in what we're doing and want to throw your money at it. So anyone else, you're totally welcome to join us over on Patreon. Um, we do make a little a little slice of special content for our patrons, and I'm pretty sure you get access to the backlog um, if you subscribe. Um, with that, I will say thank you to Miranda for being my guest, and you all get to enjoy the outro. Yay. Yay. Jennifer would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays on twitch.tv forward slash Jenner Meowster. Show notes will appear in the edited versions of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms. If you have a question you'd like the host to answer or are gender diverse and would like to request an interview, please send an email to genderfulpodcast at gmail.com or sign up via the website at genderfulpodcast.com. As a gender diverse community, the Clouder wants to assure our listeners that we are prepared to moderate our spaces. We will get positive and negative feedback on these shows and topics. And we have a moderation team on our channels, socials, and Discord server ready to deal with this. Please join our Discord server at discord.gg forward slash meowster to meet the community and get a regular digest of solidarity resources. You can also support us with subscriptions on Patreon, following and reviewing us on your favorite podcasting platform, or engaging with our posts and content on social media at genderfulpod and at gendermeowster. You can take a few minutes to rate the show. We will post any five-star reviews on our socials, so get creative. Mention a special interest of your own, a project you're working on, or even say hi to your comfort person in your review. What power? This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to the folks helping us coordinate guests, edit the podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. Here's our artist credit. Jennerful is hosted by Miranda Katita and Jennermeister. Jennerful's pre-show is wrangled by Juice Tex. Jennerful's live stream is produced by Mirami. Jennerful is edited and mixed by Trans Griffin and Free Range Megs. Jennerful's promos and thumbnail graphic are designed by Trans Griffin. Jennerful's social media is managed by Keynesy. Jennerful's theme song is called Hope by Free Range Megs, also known as Soma. The current Gender Master logo was designed by Siptopia. Genderful is the intellectual property of Gender Master. All rights reserved. Trans, Trans rights, rights are human rights. rights. That's right. right.